right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Adam Drovetta on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We are brought to you by T-Mobile. Chat, share, and stream on America's 5G network. And guess what? Unlimited 5G is included in all plans at T-Mobile at no extra cost. T-Mobile, we cover more people and places than anyone else. So um, KU wins the title, which, you know, let's celebrate even more about that. Um, One of the things that has been brought up, or was really brought up when they won the title, about how they did this without these, like, big prized recruits. And I don't say that to say there's no, like, talent. Like, clearly there is. Ochai is going to be a middle first-round pick. Christian Brown would be, like, a late first, early second-round pick. Jalen Wilson will get at least a shot in the NBA if he decides to go. Like, David McCormick is an all-Big 12-level player. There's talent on this team. So, I, that's not what I'm saying here. But these aren't the five-star one-and-done guys. These aren't the five-star top-ten prospects who, like, even the case of Quentin Grimes, Quentin Grimes, who obviously didn't end up at Kansas his last couple of years, Quentin Grimes was a top-10 recruit who turned out to be a like all-American level player by the time he was a junior, leads Houston to a Final Four. Or 2020, Devon Dotson. You know, he was a McDonald's All-American, so it wasn't surprising that he became an All-American his sophomore season. And if that KU team would have won the title in 2020, you would have pointed back and said, yeah, of course they have talent. Devon Dotson was a McDonald's All-American, top 20 recruit. Yudoka Azubuki was a McDonald's All-American. Like, he worked out to be a, a really good player as a senior. Um, but this KU team didn't have uh, many of those guys, if at all, on this team. And um, I don't want to turn this into a, well, clearly the the teams who monopolize all the five-star recruits and get all the one-and-dones can't win titles because they've shown us they have. Uh, they did it in 2012 with Kentucky. They did it in 2015 with Duke. And, yes, I know you can point to both those teams and say that, well, you have Quinn Cook, Quinn Cook on Duke, or you have, I almost called him Quinn Cook because it was Duke. Uh, um, Terrence Qu- Jones was a sophomore. Yeah, Terrence Jones was a sophomore, or uh, Deron Lamb, I think, was a senior. You have Darius Miller. So you do have guys. So um, maybe it it is too difficult for a team of, like, all freshmen to do that. But nonetheless, Although it's... The- 14 Kentucky team made a heck That's of a true. run yeah, at it. Yeah, it went undefeated. But also, you could say, No, you no, know, no, I'm talking about the, um, oh, yeah, the nine yeah, seed yeah, that yeah. wound up in the title game. Yeah, exactly. And even then, even if it was just those two teams, like, I know it's easy to say, well, that's two of the last, I think, 11 champions. Clearly, it's 9-2. to two. But it's not that simple because how many teams actually can load up yeah. on all those freshmen and, and be that good every year? It's, what, one or two usually? I don't mean There's this. not enough of those five stars to go around. Yeah, and I'll say this. I don't mean this as a – first off, I think what matters more – I think NBA-level talent matters a lot, mm-hmm. and I think this KU team has it. Uh, in, in you know specifically Ocha, he's about to be a first round draft pick, and so I think it's it's um, whether it be a, an NBA caliber player who happens to be a freshman. I think what matters more is that you just have, have an NBA, NBA caliber. caliber player. Yeah, I think there was that stat floating around that every team who's won a title since 1986 Indiana has had a first round pick on their roster, yeah. and even 86 Indiana. Um, 
what's his name? The the coach formerly at UCLA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve, Alford. Steve Alford. He yeah. was picked in the twenties. That was before yes. the first round. That was the NBA was smaller, so you got picked in the twenties. You were a second round pick. Exactly. And um, so, so honestly, though, but that's pretty crazy because if you think about it, if only one or two schools get to do that every year, and those it, that basically means it's two versus three fifty six for yeah. the field, and they've still won those two titles. So again, I don't want to turn this into. That. I also I want to say this, and I don't mean this as a as a uh, as a way to say anything bad for Kansas, mm-hmm. um, I think as Kansas in 2008 is one of the best national champions ever. Yes. I think this year in college basketball, the talent level was a touchdown. And I'm sorry, I don't I actually didn't mean that the touch, I don't mean that as a pun, was a bit down. I think the talent level in college basketball is a little bit down this year. Um, I think you get some proof by that that, this whole team minus Remy Martin got crushed by a really good by an NBA Rookie of the Year player in, in Mobley last year. Mm-hmm. Um, now this same team did get a lot better between last year and this year, so it, it's not like they just sat and did nothing and then just rolled the ball out of the floor. I mean, they worked and worked and and you know CJ Moore did that great article about the work that Ochai put in, but the whole team put in a heap of work to get a lot better and a lot more athletic. But I do think that there is, um, you know, I, I think this KU team, you know, probably loses seven out of ten games to the 08 KU team or um, the, 20, you know, some, some other great national champions. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and I guess where I'm going with this is just like... And, and Ken Palm, for whatever you think of computer numbers... Ken Palm kind of backs me up on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious about what the ideal roster construction is. I think you for saw it in 2017. Forward. Yeah, yeah. That, you, you, well, had a, you had a freak. I mean, this that team didn't make the Final Four. All right, let's not spoil the league. Okay, sorry. All right. Um, so here's the deal. Because you have those two teams, like I said, that, that were all the one and dones. You have 2012 Kentucky and 2015 Duke. Um, I think you've seen some other teams like this Kansas team. 2016 Villanova, a team that didn't have a ton of NBA talent but had a lot of veterans, good college basketball players on what the team. You, who was the one and done besides Anthony Davis in 12? I know there they was. They had uh, Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, two Gil- in yeah, yeah, yeah. three, yeah, yeah, yeah. two or three. And then Terrence Jones was an older player. Yeah, they also sophomore. the point guard was a one and done. I don't remember if he was a first-round pick, though. Um, Marquise okay. Teague, something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, they also had the 2017 North Carolina team, which was kind of similar to this team in that um, you had the redemption arc. That team lost in the title the year before. This team, the redemption arc from 2020, no tournament. You also had a team that was a, a blue blood, a team that was undergoing like NCAA investigation. That North Carolina team was just about to get out of the whole investigation into the academic like scandal, mm-hmm. and this team undergoing that. So those teams are pretty similar. That North Carolina team... Um, had Justin Jackson, who was a wing, who was like a uh, uh, kind of athletic wing, and he had like a breakout season as a junior. He ended up being like a middle first round pick, but he wasn't really like viewed as an NBA guy coming into the year. Um, then they just had a bunch of guys who were like, you know, maybe second round picks like Kennedy Meeks and stuff like that, just like college guys. Um, and KU doesn't have, you know, this type of continuity with a team of all five stars who would be going pro in a year or two. So the fact that they were able to put this roster together and gain all this continuity kind of worked in their favor. Um, because, again, if, if these were all five stars, you don't get the continuity that led this team to a national title this year. Well, 
that's why I would go back. And when I said seventeen, I didn't mean North Carolina. I mean Kansas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I think that no, was a really good there. example. We're getting of, there. Oh, We're getting well, there. I, I didn't see that in the rundown. I just. Um, so go ahead. Sorry. I'll, so I'll let you get there's the roster construction of the side of things. That's the one and dones. There's the roster construction, which is basically this year's KU team, which is, you know, let's, let's get some continuity. Let's, let's have some teams come in. Um, there's the side of it too, where it's, you know, and this goes back to the one and done side of it, which is the 2020 Kansas team. As I mentioned, you took your lumps in the 2018, 19 season by bringing on three McDonald's All-Americans in Quentin Grimes, Devon Dotson, and David McCormick. And yes, Yudoka Azubuki got injured that year, so it, it changes the precipice. But that team had a bunch of young players on the team and just really struggled to totally figure it out in the Bill Self system. But the result of that was, hey, a year later, Devon Dotson's coming back. He's an All-American. Yudoka Azubuki, who was a McDonald's All-American, same with David McCormick, come back, and, and you become that team that was the favorite to win the national title. You have the, uh, whatever, 2005-2006 class for Kansas where you have you know all these young guys coming in. Lose to Bradley. Exactly. Yeah, but I, then they stuck together. So it, and, and it goes back to um, as far back as the, the Gooden, that Gooden, Collison, Heinrich, a lot of people forget that they were the same high school class because Gooden left a year early. But that team went eight seed second round exit, four seed Sweet Sixteen exit, one seed Final Four, two seed run national runner up. Yeah. So I mean that, that's kind of the old. What we saw was almost kind of the old way of doing things, where you bring in. Now that team also had a ton of NBA talent. Collison, Heinrich, and Gooden were all first round picks. Um, but this this team kind of had an old ish way of doing it, and that you had. McDonald's All-American caliber players, they just didn't leave early. Yeah, and I think that that's where the thing comes in here. It's like if you can say that you're going to have like that class where Devon Dotson will stay a couple years and then you have the talent mixed with the you know experience with your program, that works out, but there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. So it, it, it's tough to kind of figure out, and I do think the answer does lie somewhere in the middle, which you mentioned with 2017 Kansas. So Kansas this year became the first national champion since the start of the RSCI. The RSCI, it stands for Recruiting Service Consensus Index. That began back in 2001. So we have about 21 years of data for the RSCI. They became the first team since that was invented to have less than four players in the rotation who were top 100 RSCI recruits. The only two who were part of the RSCI top 100 um, were David McCormick, who was 30th, Jalen Wilson, who was 51st. So not only did they become the first team with less than four, they did it with just two. They lowered the bar even a little bit more there. And, and you can view that two ways. You can view that as it's just a different game now because the transfer portal skews everything. Like, think about this. Like, Remy Martin, from a professional prospect standpoint, he's not going to get drafted, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from a college basketball perspective, once Remy Martin hit the open market, Essentially, you're saying he's a one and done. He's essentially a five star recruit, right? Under normal and and under normal circumstances, like he would have had. That's it's interesting you say that because I would have almost I would have almost called him this year's Josh Jackson. Yeah, not because he's an NBA caliber, but it's player, a one year. It's because you got a fantastic one year rental. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So like that that skews it now that the transfer portal. But nonetheless, you could also view that and say, well, maybe that makes Kansas the. Um, kind of outlier here for that data. And maybe we should view it as, okay, Kansas won it this year doing that, 
but maybe that's not the best recipe would, for long-term success, right? I wouldn't count on it. And look, I think from the, you, to that level, to winning the title. And I think if you give Bill Self truth serum, I think you would. I think he would say, "No, give me the talent." Ten times out of ten. Yes, and, um, and this is where that 2017 team comes in. I also they were real, the perfect mix, right? Real quick, I just want to add that that shows one. And, and, well, I don't want to go. Maybe I I don't want to jump too far in this, and, and maybe I'm just desperately looking for ways to to prove my point. I do think that does say something about the talent in this year's college basketball landscape that that was the case. Um, as another reason, the KU might be an exception. This year's KU team might be an exception, not the rule. Um, and then on top of that, I think it's kind of proof that along with the work that Ochai and Christian Brown put in and along with the development uh, process of, of, of the Bill Self system, um, I think there's something to be said about they just flat screwed up on ranking those guys. Yes, I think that's definitely a very fair way to put it. And I think regionally where they were located, like – Let's be honest. There's not a ton of national recruiting, you know, services that are saying, "Hey, I got to go see Kansas high school basketball." Yeah, and that's right? the thing. I mean, I gotta, if, I'll bet if these two guys are in St. Louis, mm-hmm. they're a lot more highly recruited. I think you're right, or highly ranked. I think you're right. Um, but I'll say this: like, first of all, as far as roster construction, whatever Bill Self does, I think has more than the benefit of the doubt. You trust that fully and well. Um, I, I think if you were asking me without the knowledge of what Bill Self would want to do, I would say probably it is that mix because. Like, I don't view the 2013-14 Kansas team as the answer. And you can say, well, it produced long-term Frank Mason and so on and so forth and and Wayne Seldon, who really impacted it down the road. But that took a couple years before you got it rolling again. I think the challenge now is how do you stay older, how do you stay more experienced and still work guys in? And that's where that 2017 team comes into play. Can you recruit those guys like your Christian Browns, like your Ochai Bajis that are kind of the foundation to the recruiting class to where you can develop them, where you can have them in the program for years to come? The problem with that now in the transfer portal is you might lose those guys before they become what they are. But that's the hope that you get those guys and then you can add on, like you said, Maybe you don't get the hit of the guy who's a non-top 100 recruit becoming Ochag Baji, but can you like fill that with a Josh Jackson? Can you mm-hmm. fill that with something like that? Because then you have the mix with that 2017 team where you had veteran guards, you had veteran role players, and you mixed it in with a couple, you know, maybe freshmen who would contribute slightly off the bench and you would hope would eventually turn into something, and the superstar freshman to pair with it with Josh Jackson. There's two sides to the keeping dudes coin one is ideally you'd have a really good chance of doing it because in the past when a guy might say no I got to go make money now because my family's struggling or I really want to go make money playing basketball and now you could say all right you can go get paid whatever maybe playing in Europe or Australia or China because you're not going to the NBA or you can come back to Lawrence and have an NIL you know and, and your your um you know, Oscar Sheboy is kind of an extreme version of this, but he could get paid. He could probably make eight hundred thousand dollars next yeah. year on his name, image, and likeness because of how great he is and the and the the program for which he plays. And I think you could have again. That's an extreme example, but I think you you can say to guys who in previous years would have pieced out after their sophomore year, you would say, well, look, there's this, this, this in the NIL, you know, program in the NIL uh, world where you can make $150,000 next year playing at KU for various NIL, with various NIL deals. 
Um, and that would make a guy more willing to come back. The other side of that coin with keeping dudes is, the, and you brought it up, was the transfer portal. Yeah. So it's you have a better chance of keeping guys from going to the NBA, but you're fighting now against losing guys to other colleges. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because, you know, I— like I said, in my ideal world, you would have the, like I said, those, those, um, I guess, pillars to the program, the long-term guys, the experienced guys constantly with you and add on that maybe one or two five-star recruit to supplant it as opposed to it being 2013-14 or you know 2018-19 where you're basically going to have a, a learning year for those guys and then you just hope they even come back to begin with. A good example, I think a good comparison for like what Remy Martin was or what Josh Jackson was is like if you have a really good, if you have a baseball team good enough to win the division and then now in college basketball you don't make trades, but you know then you, you make the trade for Johnny Cueto to go from a division contender to a world championship mm-hmm. contender. I think that you have a group of players that you're good enough to win your conference, then you, through the transfer portal or with a top three, top five recruit, then you add that one more piece, and that turns you into a national title contender. Well, I guess that's that's my question. Are you better off just saying, you know, the, the freshman thing is maybe too much of a risk, Um if we're looking for that impact player, why don't we just go to the transfer portal? That's my first question. And the second question is, it's it's also impossible to do this. Because like I said, even though ideally in my mind, I would say it'd be great if you could constantly have experienced guys in your program and then maybe you had that one top five, top ten recruit. That's not how it works. And if, if you're recruiting multiple guys and the number eight prospect and the number 11 and the number 14 say, hey, I want to come here, you're not going to say, no, I know yeah, you're exactly. really good, but I don't want you here. Yeah. You're not going to do that. So it is a little bit of just kind of whatever comes your way. You kind of adjust. You also, we also, I think, as as a group, need to as a, as kind of a, a fandom, people need to get away from the idea that if you're a five star recruit and you're not a one and done, you're a bust. Wayne Seldon was not a bust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that I think is another. I think there was a time, and this is still kind of a problem. Where guys get a little itchy that if they're five if they're top ten recruits and they're not ready for the NBA straight after their freshman year, they're worried they're gonna be viewed as a bust. So they're either gonna go to the NBA to try to prove themselves or they're transfer out. Um, and that's another concern. Yeah. It's it's an impossible question. It really is. But I think honestly the answer here is there's multiple ways to skin a cat. Uh, we saw teams with one and duns win titles. We saw teams like Kansas who were maybe more veteran laden win titles. We saw teams who had maybe a mix of the two win titles. So the good news is you have the best coach in college basketball. I'm sure he'll figure it out. But yeah, if if you were asking me what I prefer, which again, it's not totally up to you. It's it's up to who wants to come to school there, how you can get people to stay in the program, how you can avoid people coming out of the transfer uh, portal and, and leaving your school, who you can bring in with the transfer portal, but a 2017 team in terms of roster construction seems like the ideal one that that I would try to play into. Anyway, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got RCST Trivia starting in the 4 o'clock hour. Kevin Flaherty will join us at 5.05. Matt Tate joins us in about 15 minutes. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? 
You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. RCST Trivia starts in the 4 o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Excited for that. Adam Dravetta, Derek Johnson, Matt Tate's going to join us in about 10 minutes from right now. Real quick, Kansas is going to be part of the 2023 Maui Invitational. So they're going down to the Bahamas this year, going down to Maui next year. And the Maui field is, is going to be pretty loaded. You have Gonzaga, UCLA, Purdue, Tennessee. It's it's a really good field. should be really exciting. Uh, maybe we can get the the station to send us down there. That'd be nice. All right, yeah. Let's, let's <laughs> so I'll do it. I guess. You insist. Yeah. All right. Our uh, poll for today. Ochai Agbaji is a top blank player in KU basketball history. Now, now Bill Self said, and, and these are different conversations, as far as a single season, it's Danny Manning and then Ochai Agbaji is right in that conversation as, as high as anyone else after that. That would be single season. First team All-American, national title. I'm good with that. That makes sense. But if we're talking program player, it all counts. And it, it's really hard like, this is what's kind of fun about doing this because there is no right answer, and there will never be a way of settling it, but it's, it's perfect radio fodder. Um, because what do you value? Do you value the talent? Do you value the who's just the best basketball player? Like, if you were picking, right, do you value who accomplished the most? Do you value who collected the most accolades? How much does the team winning matter? How much does the individual accolades matter? Ochag Baji is a top blank player in KU basketball history. The options, we're going to put this up at RCST 1320, top five, Top 10, top 20, outside top 20. Well, I think he's definitively top 20. Um, I think the conversation begins around top 10. Yes. So here's, I just quickly jotted down some guys that I think would still be ahead of him. Danny Manning, mm-hmm. I mean, three-time All-American, national champion. Will Chamberlain, two-time All-American, even though he was only at KU for three years and two years of play. Will Chamberlain is still yeah, he, unbelievable. Both right? years. He was an All-American in the two years he was eligible to play varsity. Rafe LaFrance? Yes. I mean, LaFrance was, I think, one, no, two-time consensus All-American, 97 and, and 98, and Big 12 player of the year. back Big 12 right? player of the year. And even though the team wouldn't win a title, it's it's known as one of the greatest Kansas teams of all time that he was on, the, the 96-97, right? Um, see, I don't know. That that one's interesting. I'll, I'll put that in the category of let's discuss it. As far as the guys who I think for sure ahead of it, Clyde Lavellet. I mean, you win a title. He did the same thing Ochai did. First yeah. team All-American, won a title. He also won Final Four MOP. Clyde's numbers are just absolutely insane. But Clyde Lavellet, um also was a two-time first team All-American, 51 and 52. Okay. So he has that kind of added to him. Um, I would personally put Frank Mason and Sean Collins both. To me, that's pretty clear. Ahead of him? Frank, maybe not. Frank, you could argue, but here's well, the thing. I would thing. put Sharon ahead of Frank. Sharon for sure, because Sharon was a two-time All-American. Yeah. Um, he won a title, even though it was not the All-American years. The stats speak for themselves, so Sharon for sure. Frank is an interesting discussion, because Frank and Ochai were both one-time first-team All-Americans. Frank, though, won National Player of the Year. Ochai did not. Now, in the other seasons you look at, Frank was still two-time All-Big 12. Ochai was, I think, honorable mention his sophomore year. And then he was like third team his junior year. I think Frank was just a better player, but Ochai has the title. And Frank didn't get a Final Four, so how much does that matter? 
Yeah, and then those you guys ask, are right there, though, right? You know, how close was Frank Mason to being back-to-back Big Twelve Player of the Year? Had Buddy right. Heald not had the season he had in sixteen? So I I don't know what the answer is there, but I think they're both on the same like like tier level yeah, play yeah, field. Yeah. Um, other guys that would be in discussion. You mentioned Jock Vaughn. He was two time All American. Is that enough I for think, you? I think Vaughn would be above Ochai. Okay. Um, Jojo White, two time All American. I don't know enough about the him. numbers. Aren't unreal for Jojo White, but he was he was a fantastic player. Didn't win a title. Um, didn't make a Final Four. But again, in the conversation, Nick Collison. He was so good. He was. Um, was he two-time All-American, first-team All-American? He was just one, just 2003. One in he might have got a second or third team in 2002, but just Back-to-back back Final Fours, national mm-hmm. runner-up. Oh, he was really good. I mean, if they win the title, it's definitely Nick Collison, yeah. though, right? So should we hold one yeah, game I where— the team was probably better than this team. Yeah. I think you have Nick Collison. The point is, I don't want to go through every name because there's so many, but I have a hard time putting him in the top five. Yeah, well, to me, I don't. I wouldn't go higher, higher than top ten. I agree. I think it's somewhere in that. If I'm just ballparking off the like, top of my head, I think it's eight to fifteen. Yeah, I think that's the right number. But still, like if you think about which it, it it's two ways. One, it shows you the pure insanity that you could have a season where you are first team All American, Final Four MOP, National Champion, finalist, and you're national, not even finalist, yeah, finalist for National Player of the Year for all of them. And you're not even a top five player yeah. in your own school. That's the insanity of Kansas basketball. But also, it shows you how great of a season he had. Because before this season started, if we were ranking the top 50 Jayhawks, top 100 Jayhawks of all time, he's not on that list. And now yeah. he is very clearly in the top 20. I think what I love about Ochai is he has that first, I can't even remember who they played now, but that first game where they took off his red shirt, he had a fantastic game. And I kind of kept thinking, everyone needs to temper their expectations because the immediate conversation turned to Ben McLemore. You know, McLemore was a red shirt for a different reason. Um, but, you know, they were like, wow, this guy, you know, not a not a highly rated recruit. And then, But I just thought you've got to temper your expectations for this kid because he's not as good as Ben McLemore. And he wasn't his freshman year. And he wasn't his sophomore year, which was when Ben McLemore technically played. Um but I, I think you kind of saw, you basically saw Ochai Obaji become good enough to have a season full of games equal to that one he had when they pulled off his red shirt. Mm-hmm. And that was that's really great. All right, two quick college basketball notes because I just saw this. Uh, Oscar Shibway met with the Kentucky senator to try to get to help to push the uh, changing of federal immigration laws that do not allow foreign college athletes to participate in NIL deals. That might seriously, because uh, he's he's not U.S. born, that might be the difference of him coming back coming to Kentucky back or not. Or not yeah. uh, here's another note. Tristan Anaruna has entered the transfer portal at Iowa State. Bring him he's back? Gonna, he's going to be a Jalen Coleman lands. Hey, Jalen Wilson like 12, could go pro. Go to 12, ga- 12 schools. He transferred because he wasn't getting enough playing time over Jalen Wilson. If Jalen Wilson goes pro, bring him back. Why not? Uh, he's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. Matt Tate, Lawrence Center World, joins us next. That time on a Tuesday, we talk with Matt Tate of Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com here on RCST with Adam Gravetta, Derek Johnson. Uh, so, Matt, it has been eight days now, a little over a week since KU won the national title. You've had some time to reflect and, and meditate on whatever's happened. Um, how, how is the aftermath of, of this championship 
similar? How is it different to the one you experienced 14 years ago in 2008? Well, it doesn't feel like it stopped yet. And I don't know if that's just a sign of, of you know, the advancement of social media and just the 24-7 news cycle and all that. I know I'm sounding really old and dating myself a little, but, like, I mean, I don't think Twitter was raging in 08 by any means. It was probably invented around then, if I'm not mistaken. So um, maybe a little bit earlier, but it wasn't everywhere. I mean, not everybody had it, and 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 that's just Twitter. You know, I mean, we're talking about the rest of uh, social media and fan blogs and all that stuff. So I, I don't feel like – I mean, I think that's contributed to it some, but I don't feel like this has really let up. If part of that was the parade on, on Sunday, of course. Um the other part of it is is there's just more I, I think with this team there's just more material and time and opportunity to really dive in here because that OA team was a juggernaut uh, from the minute they started playing to the minute they you know beat Carolina and Memphis I think everybody thought at least around here locally that um, that that team could and and maybe even should win it all. And, and and that was partly based on their trajectory to that point. And, and I think if they didn't, people would have been a little bit disappointed because it looked like they were heading that way from the year before and the year before that. So, um, you know, th- there's there's more here because this came out of nowhere a little bit. This has been uh, a, a fun ride to follow, a fun ride to cover, a fun ride to break down. And, and I, I think we're still just scratching the surface on that because, I think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of trying to figure out, you know, where does this group belong? Uh, you know, relative to the other title teams, but also relative to all all 19 self teams and 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 all the great teams at Kansas. And and um, you could really go a bunch of different ways on that one, but the bottom line is they they belong in the top four at the very least because they're one of four teams that's won an NCAA title and. I understand if you want to do matchups and star power and, and, and talent top to bottom and things like that, you can, you can certainly make cases elsewhere. But in the history of this program, which obviously is over a hundred years old, you know, there, there, there've been 4,000, 5,000, I don't know the number, but a bunch of different guys that have played at Kansas and worn the Jersey and, and tried to do exactly what these guys just did. And at the end of it all, when it comes down to it, there's only four rosters that have done it. And, and um, you know, so that puts those guys, all of them, um, in elite company right away. And, and it's, it's something you can never take away from them. And, and it's something that means something. I mean, you, you can say this guy was more talented or that team had more depth or whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, Jalen Coleman-Lands is going to go around saying, yeah, but I want a title there. And I don't think he's going to do it maliciously or manner, but facts are facts, and at the end of the day, this group is a special, special elite group, and and uh, so I think if nothing else, you have to remember them that way first, and then the rest can kind of go from there. But it, but it's uh, yeah, it's it's cool that it's lingering the way it is because I, I expect to be writing about this team and 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 that run. Yeah, for decades to come, probably, but but certainly for the next few weeks still, too. Well, one thing I'm curious about is, like, will Bill Self view how he won it this year with a lot of experienced guys in the program? Uh, you make the addition with the transfer portal of Remy Martin. 
will that be viewed as, well, maybe that's the path that I should take moving forward, or is it just, um, you know, the excitement to get out of whatever the NCAA cloud, whenever that happens, occurs, and they'll go back to bringing on five-star guys? Will it be the attempted roster build of 2017? Is any of that stuff even possible because of the transfer portal? It's harder to keep guys who maybe don't have big roles right away in your program. Like, what do you view as being the ideal roster construction of, of what Bill Self would want to do of how he puts it together from here on out. Yeah, I think he's learned a lot in the last, you know, four or five years. Um, I'm sure most coaches have, but, um, but, but I, I think he's learned a lot about this program and, and his, his role in, in, you know, leading it and, and what works and what doesn't work. And, and, um, you know, if you look at it, man, it is, it's experience. It's, it's, it's uh I, I think I think moving forward ultimately whether you're you're talking about trying to have an experienced lineup or roster or a young one or, or how you're gonna balance that, I, I think that's probably a little bit irrelevant to him. I, I think for self it's about and, and this is part of maybe what he's learned over the last few years, um, I think for him it's mostly about fit. Hey, if the kid fits what we do if he's a Kansas basketball player, if he can play Bill Self basketball, then I don't care if he's a freshman who's 17 or or if he's a you know sixth year senior who's coming to hang out for a year. It doesn't. I, I don't know that that stuff matters as much to him as maybe it once did. Um, and we'll find out. Obviously, he's, he's you know got some more recruiting classes ahead of him and things of that nature. So we'll, we'll find out. But but I do think that fit. And, and, you know, their ability to play here and for him and all those things are way more important than, than anything. And, and I think that he's starting to see that because the teams he's had some of the most success with have been those types of guys, program guys, grinders, uh, tough dudes, you know, as opposed to just taking the, 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 the six of the top ten players and trying to put them together and seeing how that goes. If there's a bridge there, if there's, a, if there's an overlap where – well, hey, this guy's ranked fifth in the country, and, oh, by the way, he fits perfect. Yeah, they're going to go for him, hardcore, and they're still going to go for the top five, top ten talents because I think talent wins above all, but I, but I, but I don't think it'll matter to him as much. I mean, if for no other reason, Ochai Abaji is the perfect example of that. I mean, Ochai Abaji has shown that you get the right kids, literally anything is possible as long as you can get through to them and get them to buy in and, and take the coaching and put the work in. And, and uh, Ochai did that for four years. Um, it, it, it led him to All-American status and a national championship. And for at least the next five to ten years, that's going to be a heavy, heavy card that Self can play uh, because it's going to be recent, right? He's going to say, well, you know, that's fine if you want to do it your way, but here's how Ochai did it. Or, yeah, you know, you could go, bro. That's fine. I mean, you, if you want to get picked, 29th or 34th, go for it. It works out for guys. Maybe it'll work out for you. Wish you nothing but the best. But if you look at what Ochai did, he came back and now he's a lottery pick or whatever he ends up being. You know, so that's a pretty big card he's going to be able to play. And, and he won't play it in a, in a gamesmanship sort of way. Again, it'll just be facts are facts. But um, I think it'll matter. I think it'll matter to current roster. I think it'll matter to future recruiting classes. I, I think I think that's going to be a big thing. But but one of the things, kind of to sum up, maybe part of an answer to your question, um, one of the things that he talked about in New Orleans um, at the podium was was this shift that he that he sort of 
see is happening with college basketball, and that's, you know, you, you want to try to get old, and then the challenge of that is how do you stay old? And and that's what the transfer portal can help you do. Um, you, can, you can be an experienced team year after year after year without waiting for the three- or four-year build that you used to have to do. Um, now, that's where the fit comes in again, right, because it doesn't mean – that it's uh, automatically going to be the best thing in the world because a guy has experience. You know, he's still got to fit your program, fit what you do. Um, and, and we saw some of that, uh, the, the, the challenges that come with that with Remy Martin. But obviously that ended up working out just fine. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot to it. And, and I think part of it is they probably continue to learn new things about roster construction year after year after year. And, and you just try to figure out what's, uh, what works best and, and what you're most comfortable with because what works at Kansas might not work at Kentucky, might not work at Michigan State, and so on down the line. So I, I think he's learned a lot about that over the last few years, and, and I, I think they're set up for a, a pretty good run of success, um, not only in, in terms of wins and losses, but in terms of you know, how, they, how they build rosters and what that looks like and what that means. Do you think there's something to be said, whether it be NIL or the transfer portal, do you think there's something to be said about Bill Self and the fact that he just says, okay, this is a new rule. Let me see what I can do to make the most out of it rather than some. Because coaches, whether it be football or basketball, there have been a few coaches that have kind of pissed and moaned about these new rules and the new developments. Do you think there's something to be said about Self has just kind of said, you know, I'm not going to complain about what the rules are. I'm going to look at them and, and figure out what you know? What I have to do now to build the rest of the, the roster? He just goes to work. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, even the even the rules that have come about that that self has been publicly and adamantly opposed to, he still found a way to say, "Well, this is life. I'm going to go make it work." And doesn't mean he's been successful every time, but um, but he's smart enough to understand that belly aching about it doesn't do any good. What what works or what helps is if you can get in there and, and really understand the rule and figure out how to use it to your advantage. And, and he's, in my opinion, he's become really good at that with a, with a number of rules, and the transfer portal was certainly one of them. Now, it helps that it's a place like Kansas because the transfer portal does not help everyone, but it should help Kansas. It should help Kentucky. It should help Duke if they want to use it because there's not a kid in the country that grows up that doesn't want to play at one of those places. And so – you know, Joe Yusefu is just a perfect example of that, right? He ends up uh, – he was a pretty good player in high school in, in, a, in a pretty good area in, in, uh, in Chicago and, and, uh, or, or at least around Chicago. And, and so he ended up going to Drake, and, you know, now he's now, – now he's at Kansas. I mean, now, now he's a player here. And uh, remains to be seen what kind of career he ends up having, but he's getting the opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm curious. Uh, I don't know when we transition into off-season mode. I don't know when you do. I know the uh, NBA draft deadline, I think, to enter in is, is April 24th. You mentioned something there about, you know, this is uh, maybe a lesson with Baji, what he did. And uh, you said pick 29, pick 34. That's kind of the range Christian Brown is expected to go in. Are you expecting him to go pro, or do you think that could serve as a tale for him to come back? It, it's such a tough call because the one thing none of us know right now is the feedback he's going to get. Um, and, and some of that feedback, because he'll test. We know that. I mean, I'm sure you guys have talked about that. Anybody that finds it surprising that he's going to go test is, is really 
<laughs> really hasn't been paying attention. He's going to test. He should test, and it's the best move for him. So, um, you know, part of that feedback that he gets when he goes to the combine, I assume he'll be invited and all that, it, you know, part of that will be based on his, his junior season. And, hey, we saw you do this, we saw you do that, we liked this, we didn't like that, etc. But a huge chunk of it will be what he does when he's at the combine. You know, what, what, what do you do? When you're on that stage and you're, you're testing and you're playing with your peers and, 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 um, you know, we saw Ochai struggle with that last year. He tested phenomenally. Um, his numbers were great. He's an athlete. Everybody knew that. There was no surprise. Um, what was problematic for him was that when they scrimmaged, he disappeared. And, um, that was sort of a concern going into the combine for, for the scouts and people that were looking at him. Um, and then it really showed up on that stage, and, and it made him – he wasn't undraftable, but he wasn't a first-round pick. So that was, you know, sort of the feedback that he got, and he made something of it. He put himself back in the right frame of mind to go to work and, and, and make sure that that nobody could say that about him ever again. And, and, and then he had a great senior year, and I, I don't think, you know – uh, maybe there were some criticisms of him, but boy, they were quiet. And if they were there, they were short-lived. And and he always kind of crawled back out of whatever people were saying. I mean, he just had a phenomenal year, and and he was wildly consistent. And um, you know that that's that's showing right there that the uh, that that the system works for a guy like that. So uh, we don't that. that Getting back to Brown, we don't know what they're going to tell him, partly because he hasn't gone through that yet. The other part is because, you know, only part of the picture is known right now, and that's what he did as a junior. Are there things that we saw from Brown this year that, that probably could be a little bit of a red flag for, uh, for NBA teams? Absolutely. He had, he had moments where um, he looked tentative or, or kind of blended in more than he needed to or could have, and, and maybe not for Kansas, but certainly for a prospect, right? And so – Maybe they want to see more of that, you know, takeover mentality from him, just like they did with Ochai. You know, go go make the game yours. Go go make the the, the action feel your presence there. And and um, he does that a lot. You know, he's he's very good at that, especially with his personality. But um, you know, there's more to it than 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 just yelling and screaming. And they they want to see him do it with the ball in his hands and and things of that nature too. So. Um, I know this. I've talked to some draft guys, and, and, and I know they love him. Um, but the ones that I have talked to seem to think that if they were advising him, the move they would say is go do what Ochai did. Come up, test, get the feedback, go put it into action when you get back and have a monster senior year. You do that, you'll be a lottery pick. And, you know, it's easy to say that. Doesn't mean it works. Doesn't mean it's automatic. Doesn't even mean it's something he wants to do. I mean, a big part of playing college basketball is trying to win a national title. He just did that. So does that change his mindset? Does that does that change the way he looks at this thing and say, boy, it'd be pretty cool to end like this, man. I mean, you know, like, what are the odds that I do it again if I come back and, and all that? So, you know, there's a lot of things that factor into it. Um, if you're forcing me to answer today, and I know you're not, but if you're forcing me to, um, I, I think he's back. Uh, I think he's back, and I think Jalen's back. And, and I think if they're both back, I think they have a heck of a team again. But um, long way to go before anybody is, is even remotely willing to say that's a lock. And, uh, and, and, you know, as you guys know, I mean, 
over time, Bill Self would be the first to tell a kid, if, you, if the time's right, go. I, you know, of course I want them all here four years, but if the time's right, go. And so, you know, it's nice to have that guy in your corner versus the guy who is, is, is you know, giving you advice based on maybe what's best for him or for the program. I mean, he's, he's never really done that. There have been guys he probably could have talked into returning for one more year that, that he even just flat out said, you can't come back. You got to go. It's too good of an opportunity. You have to go. And, and so, you know, you don't have to worry about that. But, but, but I think it's going to be really interesting, and I think it's going to be a heck of a story all summer because um, Christian Brown's a motivated, dedicated, hardworking, determined dude, right? And, uh, you know, he's going to go up there just like Ochai did, I would imagine, with the intent of showing them that he is absolutely a guy they want on their team. And, and uh, you know, if, he, if he's successful at that, then, then he probably will go. But it, it's, it's close. He's a, he's a really close one, and, and uh, I think the rules are, are set up perfectly for a guy like that. He is Matt Tate. We don't have time for a one last thing today, but we'll get you one next week. This is our one last thing off season, I guess. But uh, Matt, thank you for the time as always, man. And and go check out. I know that uh, with the LJ World and stuff, you guys have a bunch of commemorative uh, stuff for the championship, which which is awesome having on there. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, you bet. Shop.lawrence.com. You can find all that stuff. And I want two more things next week. Instead of one last thing, two more. <laughs> all right, there That's we go. There we go. Here's Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. All right, welcome in. We're finally here. We're going to start RCST Trivia with three matchups today as the first round continues on this week and next week. Thank you to all our sponsors, 23rd Street Brewery, Kurt Geyser State Farm, McDonald's of Lawrence, CBD of Lawrence, Homefield Apparel, Pella Windows and Doors, RockChalk.io, Jayhawk Trophy, and Hawaiian Bros. And 23rd Street Brewery, our title sponsor here. They have dine-in, carry-out, and catering all available with outdoor patio to enjoy the warm weather. Try the Bill Self Mac and Cheese, the Haney turkey stack or any of the great menu items don't forget about 23rd street breweries beer which you can get to go as well with their crowlers so our first matchup of the day six seed out of the east evan riggs 11 seed out of the east in quinton maribel and uh evan you were one in one in trivia matchups you, you appeared in this two years ago you didn't appear last year but the guy you lost to won the championship in isaac henderson and you were one seed that year um, Isaac was just a Titan who was, I think, an eight or a nine seed, but you went three and one in, in trivia questions. So what did that experience do for you? And do you feel like you were slighted with your, uh, second round draw a couple years ago? You know, the draw, you, you just can't really help it. Sometimes you're Wichita state as the, as the one seed, and sometimes you get a Kentucky as, as your eight, nine. So it just happens, but it, it was a good learning experience. I know you, we've got 30 seconds this time around. So I feel like I'm going to hopefully be be quick on my feet with being used to 10 seconds last time, but I'm looking forward to it very much. Yeah, definitely have to uh, sit back and, and make sure you have the right answer, even if you think you know it right off the bat. Uh, Quentin, this is your first RCST trivia appearance. How would you categorize your uh, Kansas fandom? Uh, I've been a huge fan since 2003, and that's just die hard. Social 
All right. Well, uh, with that, we're going to go ahead and get to the rules here, and then I'll ask you guys some questions. So just a quick reminder, we have five tiers of questions. Really easy, easy, medium, hard, really hard. We're going to go back and forth. If you both get it right, we'll move up a difficulty level. You both get it wrong. We'll stay in that tier area. If one person gets it right, one person gets it wrong, that's the game. Single elimination, just like the NCAA tournament. You have 30 seconds to answer the question. When you have five seconds remaining, you will hear a clock counting down, followed by the buzzer. Do you actually have that in front of you? You can play it for him just to hear the sound. It'll sound like this. And once you hear Eric Collins, the Charlotte Hornets announcer, yell, oh, once that's done, you're done if you haven't given an answer um, as well. In, in the case of questions involving a player, unless specified, like there might be something where it's like name the first name of this. But outside of that, um, if we're asking for a player name, the last name will suffice. So if you don't know the first name, just say the last name. That will work. The first name on its own, unless we ask for it, will not work. So, for instance, a question that had Mario Chalmers as the answer, Mario would not suffice Chalmers would or Mario Chalmers would as well um before we get going any questions from either of you guys nope not for me all right Quentin you are the lower seed so would you like to go first or would you like to go second uh, I'll go second all right so Quentin's gonna go second Evan is going to go first so Adam go ahead and roll the music here as we get to our first the ball is tipped the one shiny moment has begun all right really easy question number one for you Evan what position does Joel Embiid play? Center. That is correct. All right, Quentin. What position does Devontae Graham play? Uh, point guard. Yep. Point guard, guard, any of that would have worked. So uh, quick ones right off the bat. There we go. They're really easy. That's, that's the point of those. Let's get some dubs on the board. All right, on to the easy category. Evan, in his record-setting debut in 1956... This KU big man and basketball legend scored 52 points. Wilt Chamberlain. That is correct. Wilt Chamberlain, the correct answer there. Imagine that, 52 points, 31 rebounds in his first ever game. All right, uh, this one for you, Quentin. This KU big man owns the KU record with 11 30 or more point games in one season, setting that record in 1988. Uh, Danny Manning. That is correct. Danny Manning. You know, it's either Danny or Wilt who you think is the best player in KU history. Certainly most accomplished is Danny. All right, on to the medium category. This is when things start to get a little more difficult here. Evan, first up. In 1985, this KU freshman big man set the record for most total rebounds in a season with 258 of them. Who is he? We got to go Danny Manning back-to-back answers here. That is correct. There we go. All right, Quentin, to stay alive and move on to the hard category. That record of most rebounds in a freshman season was equaled in 2017 by a freshman one-and-done who also snagged 258 of them. What's his name? By a freshman in 2017, you said? That is correct. 2016-17 season. Josh Jackson? That is correct. All right, you're both knocking them down. 3-0 to start for both of you. Now let's go ahead and get things a little more tense in here with the music onto our hard category. Evan, on February 4th, 1997, 
This KU player set a school record for most minutes played in a game without a single turnover by playing 47 minutes without a turnover in a double overtime game against Missouri. I'll go Jock Vaughn. That is incorrect. The correct answer is Rafe LaFrance. All right, Quentin, you can get the victory here. The top three players on the KU all-time career steals list are guards. Fourth on that list was not a guard. Who would that be? Uh, Danny Manning? That is correct. A Danny Manning heavy first edition. Congratulations, Quentin. Um, We'll start with you here. Uh, Any of those questions that you felt like you were a little nervous about what the answer was? Yeah, definitely the last one, uh, you know, when in doubt, go with Danny Manning. Yep. So that's what I did do. So That's what we always say. Just guess Danny or Wilt if you don't know. Uh, Evan, do you, after hearing the answer was Rafe LaFrance, do you have any regrets about your answer of Jock Vaughn? Well, I obviously regret that it wasn't the correct answer, <laughs> but I feel like the logic was sound. Um, going with, with the point guard on 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 a, on a team and obviously Jock Vaughn is one of one of the greats at KU. So the logic was sound but obviously the result is what matters and it was not there. By the way, if you ever listen uh regularly to RCST and and Derek ever randomly says Adam who's the most underrated basketball player in KU history, it's almost like a tick. I will scream Rafe <laughs> LaFrance. Two time back back to back Big 12 player of the year winner. Um he doesn't he he's amazing and Jock Vaughn was amazing too, but I, Rafe, to me, holds such a special place in my heart. Well, guys, well, thanks. Was Rafe a two-time nope. first-team All-American? I think he may have been. That, that's It could be in both times he won Big 12 Player of the Year, 97-98. That's very possible. Quite the player, and uh, now he'll be etched in Evan's brain for quite some time. <laughs> Evan, I appreciate right. it. Uh, I know luck of the draw didn't work out for you. Um, I don't think we really planned all those to have Danny Manning answers, but they certainly did, and uh, thanks for doing this edition of RCST Trivia. And, Quentin, I appreciate you coming on, and you're moving on to the second round. You're getting an RCST Trivia T-shirt. You're getting $25 at 23rd Street Brewery. So thank you to both of you guys. Awesome. Thank you. All right, that was our first edition of RCST Trivia first round for 2022. I felt a little bad there because of the fact that so many of them were Danny Manning. Um, But, you know, again, sometimes that happens. I'll say this. I think both were were good in that category because – the the no turnover you would think Jacques Vaughn that's a very sound answer, but I think the fact that it was in the hard category would lead a person to go maybe it's not as obvious as it seems because I think Jacques Vaughn yeah. would be too obvious and I wouldn't think that to be in the hard category. Does that make sense? Yeah, I get it. I I just I guess I don't know. You know, it's different for everybody. Like you think turnovers, you immediately think of the point card, but. They're handling the ball more, so the idea so maybe should be they to would take have one more. Of the big yeah, that's true. He has more opportunities. So, uh, like I said, I, I kind of feel bad about that one because there were so many Danny Manning questions. But nonetheless, uh, Quentin, moving on. Congratulations to you. We've got our second RCST trivia matchup coming up here after this timeout with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson here on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Real quick, again, our uh, prizes for this round. $25 gift card from 23rd Street Brewery, which Quentin earned. Every round you advance, you get another $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery from the Bill Self Mac and Cheese to a Crimson Fog or Wave the Wheat to wash it down. And an RCST Trivia t-shirt. Cannot be bought anywhere. You have to win them here with RCST Trivia. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.
Our second matchup of the day here for RCST Trivia, round one. We've got a matchup in the South region, the two-seed Tate Voback and the 15-seed Brandon Carell. Um, so, first of all, Tate, you go to the title game two seasons ago. Last year, you fall in the grade eight, but you're eight and two overall in trivia matchups, 27 and two in questions was was last year did it feel like you got kind of the the rug swept out underneath you after making such a long run the year before uh sure you could say that <laughs> but I, I think advancing to the grade eight is an accomplishment right yeah um i made it out of the first weekend if you will if we're going to use some ncaa tournament um comparisons but um you know, I'm, I'm happy with my performance in the first two years and this is a lot of fun i give you guys props for doing it so uh, we'll see what happens this year. Brandon, you are a first-time RCST trivia contestant here. Um, what would you say is your your level of KU fandom? What made you want to get involved here in RCST trivia? Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan. Uh, sounds like I'm going up against Kentucky. So <laughs> Kentucky lost, though. This year, so. <laughs> Oh, there we go. All right, so uh, how this works, just real quick, going over the rules here. Uh, a reminder, we're going to go back and forth, five tiers of questions, really easy, easy, medium, hard, really hard. You both get it right, we're moving up. If you get it wrong, we're staying there. One gets it right, one gets it wrong. It's over, and somebody will advance. You have 30 seconds to answer a question. When you have five seconds remaining, we'll play this clock counting down noise, um, followed by a buzzer with uh, Eric Collins, who yells O oh, at the end of it. If the question isn't in by the time that's done, then um, it'll just be a forfeited question. And also, as far as names go, um, if you say the last name, that will suffice unless specified for, like, we might have a question where it says, give me the first name of so-and-so. Um, but if, for instance, if the answer is Wilt Chamberlain, if you just say Chamberlain, that's fine. Wilt will not suffice um, just because we want to make sure because there's guys with, you know, if you have Mario Chalmers, for instance, what if the answer is Mario Little or something, right? So uh, last name. If you don't know for sure, if you don't know what the first name is, just say the last name. You can get it right. But uh, full name works as well. Um, there's the five-second clock, and, and that's what that'll sound like. Before we get rolling here, either of you guys have any questions? Nope. Where did it go? All right, Brandon, nope. it. you are the lower seed. Would you like to go first or second? I'll go second. All right, so Tate, you're going to go first here as you uh, try to march on back to the grade eight where you were last year and potential rematch with your title game contestant from the first year in Isaac Henderson, but that for another day. We're focused on the here and now. All right, let's get the music rolling here. First up, Tate, what is Coach Self's first name? Uh, that would be Bill. That is correct. Bill Self is his first name. These are the really easy ones. Knock him right out of the park. All right, Brandon, what is Coach Naismith's first name? James. That is correct as well. All right, real easy. Now we get to the regular easy category. Tate, what Kansas player hit the three to tie the game at the end of regulation in the 2008 NCAA title game against Memphis? That was Mario Chalmers. That is correct as well. All right, Brandon, to move us up to the medium category, what Kansas player scored 31 points in the 1988 National Championship game to lead KU to a win over Oklahoma? Danny Manning. 
That is correct. A lot of Danny Manning questions early on in RCST trivia. Okay, on to the uh, medium category here. Tate, KU didn't start retiring jerseys until the 1991-1992 season. In that initial wave of players that went up, there were a handful that went up. Name one of the players who got their jersey retired on the south side of Allen Fieldhouse. I'm, my first thought is Wilt Chamberlain, but I know that he went later than 92 to talk. There's six answers here, I believe. It's. I would kill myself if I didn't say Chamberlain and he was one. So I'll say Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain is one. As you mentioned, Wilt officially got it retired in 92. He came back to speak to KU and had the official ceremony in 1998. But uh, the other answers there, Danny Manning, Clyde Lavelle at BH Bourne, Paul Endicott, and Charlie Black. All right, this one for you, Brandon, to move us to the hard round and keep yourself alive. Name a KU player to wear the number zero. Double zero does not count. So a KU player to wear the number zero. Let's go with Frank Mason. That is correct. Frank Mason, Thomas Robinson, Drew Gooden, Marcus Garrett. There's been a lot of good players for KU to wear it. All right, we're going to pick up the intensity here, change up the music, change up the mood. We get to the hard round. Tate, you're up first. This KU big man from Chicago ranks fifth all-time at Kansas for most blocks in a freshman season, recording 42 of them in 2006. Pretty sure, I'm going to think through this. I'm pretty sure it's Julian Wright, but let me think for a bit. Might be Drew. And I should clarify, it's the 05-06 season. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say Julian Wright then. That is correct. Julian Wright is the answer there. That was a veteran move. You take the time, make sure you're double-checking it, know the right answer. All right, on to you, Brandon. Despite not playing as much as Julian Wright did, another five-star Chicago freshman big man ranks sixth on that same list for most blocks in a freshman season. He had 37 of them in 2015. Who is he? Is it the guy that got suspended for half of the season? Um, Cliff Alexander? That is correct. Cliff Alexander, the answer there. Bill Self loves his Chicago guys. All right, we're moving on to the really hard. That's when things get real interesting. In 1952, Tate, who became the first Jayhawk to be drafted in the first round of the NBA? Oh, um, I remember looking this up two years ago. I want to say his last name is Guy. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. The correct answer is Clyde Lavellet. I should have known that. Can you answer that? Oh, man, I knew that one. All right, this one's for you, Brandon. In 1953, 
This KU big man produced an unofficial triple-double against Indiana in the NCAA tournament. Is it, is it, it's not too easy to be Wilt Chamberlain, is it? Is that your answer? Sure, let's go with Wilt Chamberlain. That is incorrect. The correct answer is B.H. Bourne. B.H. Bourne won Final Four MOP without even winning the tournament. That's how good he was. All right, we're going to move back down to the hard round. What a thriller we have. 215 matchup. This is like the St. Peter's Kentucky game. Went to overtime. <laughs> All right, back to the hard section. On January 22nd, Tate, of 2004, Kansas lost at home to what non conference opponent? January 2nd, 2000. January 22nd of 2004. So the 03 04 okay. season. There's two teams that come to mind. One is Nevada and one is Richmond. 04 was Self's first year. I think I'm going to go Richmond. That is correct. Nails. Thought process there. Richmond is the correct answer. I think everybody remembers the Nevada, but the Richmond sometimes gets uh, a little tossed under the rug a little bit more because you don't have the flash of Nick Fazekas. All right, this one for you, Brandon, to stay alive. KU did this twice this season, but prior to coming back from a halftime deficit of 15 or more, it had only happened twice in KU program history before this season. One of them came in 1995. One of them came in 2014. Can you name either of the two opponents? Just need to name one that KU came back from down 15 or more at halftime against. Hmm. Seems like they're down a lot to Iowa State. And out of clarification, the 2014 one was the 14-15 season, but it happened in December of 14. December. Huh? Well, it's not Iowa State then. Um, Get a guess. All right. Dayton. No. That is incorrect. No idea. The correct answer, 1995, was UCLA. The 2014 one was a game at Allen Fieldhouse. KU had a crazy comeback against Florida. Florida was Florida. the other correct answer there. Well, Brandon, I think you uh, you served yourself yeah, very did. well. It, it was it was quite the matchup for you. And, and as you mentioned, you actually knew the answer to Tate's really hard question. So kind of just unfortunate luck of the draw there, but... I mean, what did you think about your first performance? I thought you uh, performed excellently and earned yourself a pretty high seed next year if you decide to come back. Yep. Uh, it's fun. Good luck, Tate. Um, I guess if you win it, then I lost to the champion. <laughs> so that's good. Well, Brandon, I wow, appreciate so it. You're saying you want to fight Tate? Goodness, a little <laughs> bit of drama here in the first round. Yeah. Hey, let's. Let's get a real basketball, and maybe I'll be able to win. <laughs> well, Tate, you're moving on, and uh, that has to be pretty scary when, you know, you've been on these long runs before. I don't know if you've been challenged like that in the first round. I definitely have not. This is my first time missing a question but not being eliminated, so that's mm. nice. Um, mm. But, yeah, shout-out to Brandon. That was, that was awesome. You obviously know your stuff, and uh, um, we'll see what happens moving forward. Survive got- in advance, right? Yep. Well, guys, I appreciate it, Brandon. I know the seeding process isn't totally fair, but if you come back next year, we have you on record. I promise you'll get a higher seed. Thank you guys both for participating. Thank you.
Thanks, guys. All right. Quite a matchup there. 215 matchup. Barn burner. I, I thought Brandon had him. I thought Brandon had him. I thought he was going to get... The, if he knew the Clyde Lavelle, I thought he would have known the BH Bourne one. See, I thought... I, I really was worried for Tate. I thought he was going to go Durrell Arthur. Uh, yeah, he had a couple. He had the, the Richmond, Nevada one, yeah, too. Yeah, he was yeah, between yeah. two. Yeah, it was yeah, a 50-50 yeah. proposition. Yeah, I'll say this. The, the, the Richmond one, I knew immediately because I'm pretty sure that particular year... That was a uh, the Nevada loss was a road loss. I think the home loss was, it was. the following year. Yes, that is correct. Um, but I remember what I remember about that Richmond game was self added it to the schedule like a week or two in advance because they had they had an extra game, so we just added it, and Kansas wound up losing. How much do you remember about that that Florida comeback? So I was doing a volleyball. I remember a lot about that game, I, but I, I don't know how game. memorable it is for other people. I was in Topeka. Um, doing volleyball for the first round of the NCAA tournament, and because uh, KU hosted, but because um, because KU basketball had that game in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, Kansas volleyball had to go play in the Expo Center in Topeka, which um, well, I don't. It, it's it's not my favorite place in the world, but anyway, <laughs> K, uh, Kansas wound up coming up short in the first round of the tournament that year, which was unfortunate, and everyone. Me too. I mean, we were all upset. We were bummed, and I, I was sad for the for the players um, that had lost, but I was also kind of keeping my eye on that KU basketball game, and I was trying to not be outwardly very excited because I was just watching the game, kind of following along with the game, but I didn't want to be too, you know, happy because obviously it, it, I was around a group of, of volleyball players and coaches that were rightfully very upset and didn't care about the men's basketball game, so... Kind of had to, to hold my emotions in, my excitement about that comeback. And I remember Wayne Selden just going off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was a fun one. Um, I remember that one pretty clear. But again, I get why that one would be maybe more forgotten because of the fact it was on a not ultra-memorable KU team, not one of the better KU teams we've Friday seen. It was a Friday night game. Yeah, it was just kind of like a, a weird... And it wasn't like a great Florida team either. It was the Florida team that was coming off the Final Four, but they weren't as good that year. Um, and by the way, Brian, I, I thought he was a first-time contestant. I'm actually looking back now. He was in it last year. He lost in the first round as well on the third question. So, sorry about that. It's uh, I'm in a different chair now. So, uh didn't remember the face, but Brandon, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, Brandon, if you come back, if you're listening to this, you come back next year, I promise you're going to get a higher seat because that was uh, impressive what you did, but Tate able to come through and come away with the victory in the very end. All right, we're going to have one more RCST trivia matchup today. That coming up on the other side. Shout out to Tate for moving on to the second round where he'll receive a $25 gift card to 23rd Street Brewery and RCST trivia t-shirt. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Our final RCST trivia matchup of the day featuring a 5-12 matchup. That's usually the trendy upset pick coming out of the South region with Nick Schwert and Cole Calloway. Nick, this is your first RCST trivia appearance, but you hosted previously. Does that help you at all? Uh, I don't know if it helped. I don't know if that helps me as much as my immense and unquestionable, unrivaled knowledge of Kansas basketball helps me. So... Uh, yeah, I'm not really worried about the past. I'm worried about the future and the present and the present. 
I'm ready to kick some ass. <laughs> um, are you worried at all? You've been talking a lot of trash between now, yeah. this, and, and on Twitter. Are you worried at all if this crashes and burns? No, because I, I've actually got a foolproof plan to avoid that because uh, my mantra is that I don't care at all. So if I win, it's just further proof that I am an untouchable trivia specimen. And if I lose, it's because I didn't try. So who could expect me to win no matter what? So either way, I'm in a golden position. <laughs> Nick, Nick, any message for the haters? Um, just grab some popcorn, sit okay. back and enjoy the ride because right. I'm about to put on a clinic. All right, Cole, you uh, are playing against this loudmouth over here. Uh, is this intimidating at all? Is this going to make it more sweet if you come away with a victory? Well, I was pretty confident until about 30 seconds ago. So, uh, and then you, you, you set me up saying this is a trendy upset pick. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm just a huge Hawks fan, uh, have been since birth and, I just, uh, you know, looking to always just kind of, I don't know, find new avenues and enjoy my my fandom. So looking forward to it. Uh, fan of both you guys and uh, just, yeah, super nervous now. So appreciate that, Nick. <laughs> well, uh, we appreciate you for, for coming on here. What's, what's your level of fandom? Like, when does this go back to that you started being a KU fan? Uh, I would say, honestly, well, I'm 28. So I mean, first words were probably rock chalk, you know. Uh, no, I, I would say probably about the time I, I really got into, you know, early grade school, you know, first, second grade. I can remember being 03, uh, you know, fighting mom and dad to, to stay up after halftime to watch the game. Um, you know, I'm the kind of fan every season since, uh, you know, from 08 to now has ended in tears, you know. Um, but that's, yeah, I would say probably, honestly, since I've been old enough to really know what basketball is. So, all right, well, we're going to go ahead and get into this 5-12 matchup. Just real quick reminder on the rules, five tiers of questions that we're going to go through. You both get it right. We're moving up uh, to the next tier. One person gets it right, one gets it wrong. We're done. It's different questions for both of you. Uh, you have 30 seconds to answer the question. When you have five seconds remaining, you're going to hear this ticking, followed by Eric Collins yelling, Oh! And when that happens, if that is expired, then... You forfeit your question and do not move on. Uh, last names work for players. First names do not unless specified. If I ask you, you know, like our earlier contest, what is, you know, Coach Self's first name, then that is fine. Um, also, uh, as part of this, um, lower seed is going to get to pick whether they go first or second. Either of you guys have any questions before we get started here? Uh, good to go. All right, Cole, you are the lower seed. Would you like to go first or second? Uh, I'll defer and go second. All right, so Nick, that means you are going to go first. Let's go ahead and cue the music here as we get ready for our 5-12 matchup in the South region between Nick and Cole. First up in the really easy category, officially, is it Kansas University or the University of Kansas? University of Kansas. That is correct. Real quick, before we move on, I want to make a note. Um... Our beloved uh, head coach Bill Self needs to make an amendment of that in his uh, in his Twitter bio. I'm not somebody who cares about that. There's a lot of people who get freaked <laughs> put, out about that with Kansas like Kansas University. His Twitter a bio, recruit so. will be like, "I'm committing to Kansas University," and you'll see. So glad you're coming here, but get it right. Uh, anyway, uh, next question. This one for you, Cole. What city is the University of Kansas located in? Lawrence, Kansas. 
That is correct. All right, those are the easy ones. Let's get a little harder here with our easy category. Nick, what KU player owns the school record for most career NCAA tournament points, scoring 328 of them across 16 games from 1958 to 1988? 1985, I'm sorry. A little dyslexia there. Wait, 1985 to 1988. 1985 to 1988? Yes. That would be Danny Manning. That is correct. All right, Cole, this one for you. Scoring a career-high 32 points in the 2018 Elite Eight and all 13 points in overtime for KU's win over Duke was this former Jayhawk guard that got hot in March. Malik Newman. That is correct. All right, on to the medium stuff. Those were real easy. Here's where things get a little more interesting. Nick, this one for you. Danny Manning has the top two seasons at Kansas in terms of 20-point games in a single season. Third on that list is what Bill Self point guard? Frank Mason. That is correct. All right, Nick up to 3-0. Cole, this one for you. Danny Manning has the rebound per game mark as a freshman. It was beaten, though, by what Bill Self freshman big man? So Danny Manning had the previous rebound per game mark. It was beaten by what Bill Self freshman? Rebounds per game. Freshman big self, freshman Bill Self, big man with a rebound per game mark. Uh, Cole Aldridge. That is incorrect. Cole Aldridge no. had his big moments as a sophomore and junior. The correct answer is MVP candidate in the NBA, Joel Embiid. Yep, I would say. <laughs> So, Alrighty. all right. So we end it there. Um, Cole, let me ask you, is, is that something that you felt just a little, you know, you felt the pressure of the event, you felt the pressure of the clock. And, and if you had more time on that one, you would have thought it through to Joel Embiid. Yeah, absolutely. Cause I actually, uh, I wiki, I Wikipedia everything this morning, pretty confident. I, uh, top of my head. I, you know, yeah, a little more time probably be able to, but, uh, yeah, it was it was down to Aldridge and Embiid, and for some reason my mind kept going back to Aldridge. And I know he played limited minutes in 08, but yeah, it was it was fun. So, well, we appreciate you uh, joining RCSC trivia. We hope that you remain staying in this event for years to come, Nick. I uh, I don't know. Are, are people going to start wondering if this is rigged? Do I root against you? I, I don't know. Bring it on. Bring it on. I hope everybody thinks that this, this thing's rigged. And by the way, if it's rigged for anybody, it's rigged against me. You're sitting there saying who had the rebounding, inter, the, the total point total from 1958 to 1985. Like, See, that's Bush enough. League. Funny enough, I, I knew that one. I was yeah. confident in that one. Not, 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 not the one that got me out. It's Bush League that you you asked it like that. 
quite frankly, I should have gotten a new question, but I was able to, to work through adversity. I'm sure it will be this way the entire tournament. I'm sure you're going to ask me bogus questions, trick questions, worded difficultly. I'm, I'm totally prepared for that. It's a joke of a competition. I'm just here to win it ironically and shove it in your face. Uh, do you have any message for, I, kn- I know this would be down the road, but your one seat is, is Isaac Henderson, the uh, former <laughs> Wonderkin. Yeah, do I have a message for him? You know, it's funny, a couple of years ago, uh, Isaac Henderson won this event. Uh, he won it, by the way, in a COVID season. So it's kind of like the Lakers winning the title in the bubble. It's like, does it really even count? Or does it, like we put a little asterisk next to it? See, and, I, I uh, heard Isaac. It's funny was... that he's still a one seed. It was a long, long time ago when uh, he won it. And remember, at the time, I dubbed him the Wonderkind. The Wonderkind. Well, I've got a new nickname for Isaac. The Washed Wonderkind. Wow. It's a joke that he's a one seed. He is the most overrated one seed in the history of RCST trivia, and I'm chomping at the bit to end his season and end his reign as one of the premier players in this tournament. See, now I heard that Isaac, like LeBron, felt that he should be able to get a parade with the with the, the Los Angeles Dodgers because he won, he won uh, the trivia in, in the COVID bubble. What do you think? He will be getting no such parade. His his reign is over. People don't remember him anymore. People don't remember that title run. If anybody's getting a parade, it will be me here in just a few weeks. All right, guys. We'll appreciate you hopping on. Cole, thanks for uh, joining this. Hopefully, like I said, we can get you back next year and uh, get you one of those first-round wins. Nick, congratulations on moving on, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Appreciate it, guys. Smell you later. <laughs> All right. So, uh... Strong words, strong words, to say the least, over that last matchup. I I thought Nick was going to crash and burn early. I really did. Um, I I posed the situation yesterday, what would be funnier, him winning the title or crashing and burn early? I I think uh, for my sake, because everybody will think it's rigged if he wins it, it would be crashing and burning early, but that didn't happen. But that's okay. I... Here's the real question, though. If everybody, if, if Nick wins this mm-hmm. and the IARP can't mm. really tone down the rhetoric, mm-hmm. are the other, like, are we going to run into a situation where the rest of them just join, like, secede and join their own little trivia contest? Oh, man. I.e., the Power Five conferences. That's a good question. Ooh. Hopefully, not one that we have to answer. Well, this has been RCST Trivia for today. Just three matchups today. We're going to have five matchups coming at you tomorrow. So, fully loaded for RCST Trivia in the first round tomorrow. But fun first day, to say the least. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Adam Rivetta. I'm Derek Johnson on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Of 24-7 Sports. Going to join the show here. Uh, Flaherty, we're going to get your reaction on this, too. This is a report out of the Boston Globe. And I I just want to... I haven't read through the whole thing. Just a, a couple screen grabs. However... Here's what I, I know enough to know. This is from Ben Volin of the Boston Globe. It appears, in part, Tom Brady's plan was to fake retire, become an executive with the Dolphins, bring in Sean Payton to coach, then unretire. However, the Brian Flores lawsuit blew that all up right in their face. That is, I don't even know what, to, what the I hell. I just saw that. And I, I can't not go the rest of the show without bringing that up. All right, Kevin. So what is your mastermind and, and plan? I know, Kevin. What is your Tom Brady plan? Kevin, <laughs> Kevin's a college guy, but I, I just I couldn't 
I could not not go the rest of the show without bringing that up. <laughs> this is what happens when you put Sean Payton specials with Kevin James playing Sean Payton <laughs> on Netflix. Was that, Ke- was that Kevin James? I, yeah. thought, I mean, he was unrecognizable, <laughs> man. <laughs> that, that's what people say in all of his movies. You could just yeah. never tell it's Kevin James. <laughs> no. Paul Blart Mall Cop. I thought that was like Jim Carrey or no, something. I thought it there. was uh, the, the Momoa guy from, <laughs> from Aquaman. Yeah. Um, it, it never gets any better than when Kevin James sings When a Man Loves a Woman. No, it does not. No, it does not. Well, Kevin, um, getting to some college basketball stuff here. We, we were talking earlier in this show about kind of like roster construction and college basketball. And obviously this Bill Self team, I'm, I'm sure you saw that stat floating around with the RSCI top 100 recruits. It was the first team to win a title since that's been around since 2001 uh, without four of those players in the rotation and only had two of them. And when you look back at some of the other title teams, 2016 Villanova, maybe 2017 North Carolina, who didn't have those, you know, just loaded rosters of NBA talent or whatever, um, do you think this does anything in terms of a roster construction or do you almost view this as being the outlier to where, I, I guess like what, what do you view as being the ideal roster construction in college basketball? Is it going toward the one and dones? Is it going toward the transfer portal? Is it doing what Kansas did more based on, I guess, experience and experience in the program? Is it, I don't know, finding a happy medium like the 2017 Kansas team or, um, I don't know. Like, what, what do you view as, as being that way, or is it just multiple ways to kind of skin a cat? Yeah, and I'm not, as, I'm not a huge fan of RSCI in general. Um, I, I think it was really useful sort of before we had the, the quote-unquote main recruiting sites because opinions were so varied and there were so many out there. But now it's kind of like it, you still have – you know, maybe some fringe elements there that, that don't really see and evaluate at the level of of others. But but that that's beside the point. I do think, you know, one of the things that I wrote for CBS this year was we haven't had a title winner since Indiana in 87 that didn't produce a first-round NBA draft pick. And KU, I feel pretty safe to say, is probably going to produce a first round NBA draft pick in Ochai Abadji. And so that's, that's going to kind of hold true. I think the old saying that, you know, experience matters a lot in college basketball generally is true. I think talent's the most important thing, but that experience can make up for a lot. And so I think when you sort of marry those two philosophies, I, I was very interested that you brought up the 2017 team because I do think but that's kind of your ideal roster situation is you want to have the experienced backbone of players who have come up in your program. They understand what the expectation is. They've been around for a few years. In a lot of cases, you know, like with Kansas, they're, they're used to winning and winning at a high level, and you have all of that. And then you add in, you know, your most talented players, through the recruiting class, and maybe you have a one-and-done or two in there, you know, a guy like a Josh Jackson. I really do think that you look at that, you look at, you know, statistically speaking, you know, the 2010 team was one of Bill Self's strongest where you had, you know, the experience, you had Sharon Collins and Cole Aldridge and, and all of these different things. And then you added Xavier Henry, you know, as, you know, sort of this NBA talent, 
uh, freshmen who, who build in a crack. And I think now you can maybe slide a little off of that freshman class and that you can go and get that type of player. You can get a Remy Martin type as opposed to getting a freshman version of that. But I still think that that's your formula, that you want to have this backbone of experience, but you would kind of prefer to land a top recruiter to somebody who's really an NBA talent that can can swing a game or two your way. Well, I guess that was going to be my next question because um, theoretically, like if you said, would you rather have the one year of Josh Jackson or the one year of Remy Martin? I know KU just won a title with Remy Martin doing a bunch of big things. So from that standpoint, I don't mean it like that. But just in terms of if you viewed it like who had the better overall season, it was, it was Josh Jackson. But the flip side to that is – with as many Josh Jacksons as we've seen, we've also seen other KU freshmen come in and, and maybe not produce a ton in that freshman year, like a Sheck Diallo or Cliff Alexander, who then left after a year and didn't really impact the program or anything, uh, whereas the transfer portal, in theory, should be more of a sure thing. Uh, like, is there a case to be made that maybe you just say, you know, forget this? But at the same point in time, like, as I'm saying this, I, I've said this before in the show, if you're recruiting and a top 10 recruit says, Hey, I want to come here. You're not just going to say no. Yeah. I think that there's a, I think that recruits are higher variance. I think there's more star power, but there's also a chance that, you know, they're going to college for the first time. They're playing college basketball for the first time. I think there's a chance there's a lower flow floor there if they don't get the concepts, if they struggle in school, so many different things that can go on there. I think when you go into the transfer portal, you're getting more of a sure thing. The floor is higher, but I also don't think you get the ceiling. You know, this was, I think, the first year that I've been tracking, since I've been tracking, that an immediately eligible transfer was a first-team All-American over the last five or six years, and, and Oscar Shibway. And Shibway was, was even a guy, you know, who kind of sat out the second half of last year anyway. But for the most part, the transfers that we found who have had success, it's been a year or two down the road, right? Like Malachi Flynn, you know, Brandon Clark is a great example at Gonzaga, you know, who was was maybe one of the top couple players in the country that year, but because he played with Rui Hachimura and some of those other guys, maybe he didn't get the pub that he deserved, but I do think that if you go into the transfer portal, you're a lot less likely to succeed if you're looking to get a star player. If you're looking to grab Reed Travis and have him be the backbone of your roster, the guy who was actually the backbone of that roster was what, P.J. Washington? Mm-hmm. So when you who who is a top recruit that had been there for another year. And so uh, I think you're better off maybe going to the transfer portal if you're looking for somebody like an Isaiah Moss to fill a role, and Remy Martin was almost what I would call a role player plus in that he was a star player, but at the same time he wound up filling that, at the end of the day, he wound up filling that six-man role sort of perfectly and in that shot creation role really, really well. But generally speaking, you don't want to go into a season trying to find the Big 12 player of the year, so to speak, in the transfer portal. I think it's easier to find that guy or find somebody who's really going to swing games in your favor uh, out of the freshman class if you're recruiting at a really high level. Now, once you start getting down past that, once you start getting, say, sub-15, 
then you're getting into, you know, the Bryce Thompsons of the world where it's kind of like, well, if the whole situation works out, if health is right, if, if all these things go in their favor, yeah, maybe stardom is on the table. But if you're talking about a top 10 guy and specifically with a Josh Jackson, a top five type guy, you go after that guy every time because that's a guy that can win you a game almost single-handedly at times. Yeah, and it's, it's so tough because you think of the years where KU has loaded up on those freshmen, whether it was 2013-14 or 2018-19 when you have you know Grimes and Dotson and McCormick, and it's, it, it's just not something that led to – I guess immediate results. I mean, those teams still got you know top four seeds. So, but but in terms of like the the March success, neither of those teams made it out of the first weekend. But eventually, the results of of those teams was that twenty twenty you were the best team in the country. Uh, twenty sixteen you made the elite eight. Twenty seventeen you made the elite eight with guys like Frank Mason kind of championing that roster. So, I, I guess it's kind of tough because nowadays with the transfer portal, um, if you do go out there and, and dive in fully into you know those classes like 13 14 or 18 19 even though it worked out in 18 19 for kansas in in 2020 like you're at risk of either guys leaving early or a quentin grimes situation where hey we know it didn't work out this first year but you know maybe in a year or two it'll work out but then he transfers away and he goes somewhere else i just uh gosh it's it maybe there's just no right answer maybe there's no perfect answer and maybe that's kind of the point that you just kind of have to uh, you go out and you recruit the best players, whether it's transfer portal or freshmen, and whichever ones you get, you try to make it work from there. It's incredibly tough, and I think that coaches have to communicate now more than ever and communicate with their players throughout the season because I think if you were to pour some truth serum down Bill Self's throat right now, he would say that guys like Bobby Pettiford and Zach Clements are guys that he's really hoping stick around and become those foundational guys, that they become the Ochai Abajis and Christian Browns, you know, and it may be another year down the road. It may start this next year, but obviously their first year, that wasn't necessarily really on the table for them because Kansas had national title hopes, wound up winning a national title, and had a roster that was pretty thick with with experience. And so how you go about the entire season, how you sit down, with, say, Zach Clements in February and say, look, you've been a little banged up. I know your playing time maybe isn't quite what you, we, you'd like it to be, but we need to have this conversation because I still see great things from you. It just may not be right away. And you have to really engage with your players, and I feel like continue to talk to them through everything because it's really hard when a player comes in and they're, a top 50 recruit or, or even just, you know, a blue chip recruit and, and they come in and all of a sudden they're, they're one of the last few guys off the bench and you have to look at them and, and let them know this isn't the end game for you. We see that you can play at this level. We know that that's coming. You know, Steve McKaylin barely played as a freshman and was obviously, you know, one of the biggest pieces the KU had on, on that 2018 Final Four team, Devontae Graham didn't play a ton, you know, as a freshman. And so those opportunities, they come a lot of times in the second year or the third year. But at the same time, you have to kind of talk to players and be engaged with them through the process to let them know we don't always see you as an end-of-bench guy. You might not have gotten off the bench tonight, 
but we want you to know when we play, you know, at K-State two years from now, we expect you to be among our leading scorers. And I think that the Kansas staff has, has done a pretty good job of engaging with players in that manner with this group. I asked um, Matt Tate the same question earlier, but I, I really don't think it's a, a point that can be overstated. How big of a deal is it that, I mean, because in college football and college basketball, a lot of coaches have just kind of griped about the changes. Um, and how big of a deal is it that whether it be Bill Self or another coach that, you know, th- it seems the most, you know, successful coaches have been the ones that they don't, at least openly, outwardly, maybe they do, you know, behind closed doors, but they don't outwardly whine. They just kind of say, okay, these are the new rules. I have to figure out a way to make make it work. Sure, and I think that some of the best coaches are, are, are simply adaptable. I mean, and it's, you know, the whole don't worry about the mules, just load the wagon. I, I know that that's, you know, been – being used a ton, but you think about it with a circumstance like the transfer portal, what good is it going to do Bill Self to complain about the transfer portal or the way that things are now or whatever else? Just load the wagon. You know, do your work at keeping your players engaged and, and letting them know that you value them, you know, and and making sure that everybody knows exactly sort of what their role is and, and where they sit. And, and that's the thing about it is players – I think there's a misconception that players nowadays and younger people in general, that they need to be, you know, kissed up to. That people really, you know, they they need to be nice to them and not say mean things. No, kids like, and I feel like I'm an old guy waving the cane, <laughs> but, but at the same time, kids like it when you're honest with them. And that's something that hasn't changed. And I've, I've talked to a number of players who have said that and everything else. If you lay out what the expectations are and you tell somebody, hey, you're meeting this expectation, you aren't meeting this, and you're honest with them throughout, I think that that's where a lot of these coaches, rather than, like you said, giving the sound bite of, oh, this is terrible for our sport, oh, woe is me, I'm having to replace my front quarter or whatever else, I think that just loading the wagon part of this is simply being engaged with your players and letting them know, hey, this the situation is what it is, and we're going to need to continue to communicate with each other through all of this. Mike Miles is coming back to TCU. Um, how close are they to, if Kansas and Baylor are, say, Tier 1 in the Big 12, how close are they to moving up there, and do you think it's more likely – that they were to finish in second place or that they would finish in fifth or below this next season? You know, it's interesting. Uh, Gary Parrish, I saw, ranked him number 10 today in his way too early top 25 and one. And, and I love that thing because Gary really does update it every time there is a single change out there. So sometimes his update is only moving one team in one direction, but – I think that TCU is probably in that, that 10 to 12, 10 to 13 range, somewhere around in there. They had a lot of young talent where you can look at it and say not only do they have a lot of guys coming back, but also guys who maybe haven't reached their ceiling yet. And so when you look at it from from that perspective, I do think there's upside with this team. Now, 
if the guys come back that, that Baylor thinks is coming back along with, you know, them adding Keontae George, if Kansas is able to get somebody like a Jalen Wilson back, who I feel like a lot of us are projecting Kansas to maybe lose Christian Brown, but keep Jalen Wilson, I do think that Kansas and Baylor would sort of be that tier one and TCU would maybe be tier one and a half. I do think that they aren't that far off as far as, you know, finishing, whether it would be more likely to finish top two or, or finish, you know, five or below. That, that's a really tough determination to make because I do think that we haven't seen what everybody's roster is is going to look like, especially Texas Tech. I mean, that's the biggest wild card I feel like in this entire conference because you know my you know Mark Adams, excuse me, is going to go transfer portal heavy. They've done a great job of evaluating guys who fit and can play that style, and you know that they're going to defend well. And so right now, TC or Texas Tech isn't even considered a top 25 team. Where we're at two months from now, you're probably going to say Texas Tech is a top 25 team. And so all of a sudden you're looking at TCU maybe being fourth. You know, another team is maybe a little bit better than expected, and they're in fifth. So it could really go either way for them. And I know that's that feels like I'm dodging the answer, the question, but at the same time, I, I do really think that TCU has the upside to be a top two team. And at the same time, depending on the guys that Texas Tech gets, depending on some other pieces elsewhere, you know, TCU could be a team that, that finishes just outside of the top three or four in the conference. Yeah, I think they'll be really good, but they went eight and ten in Big Twelve play. So I mean that's a that's a jump if you want to get to fourteen and four or something or I don't know what would finish second next year. But nonetheless, he is Kevin Flaherty, twenty four seven sports. Kevin, before we let you go, one last thing with Adam. All right. Kevin, one last thing. You made a way too early top twenty three. How early do you make your Christmas list each year? Do you do it the like after you're done uh, opening gifts the the previous year? You know, pretty. pretty it's uh, it, it's actually super late. As a matter of fact, that's something I get screamed at every single year. Is you know November rolls around, maybe even mid November, and I start getting the calls and text messages and the why do we not have a list from you yet? And it, it's just it's one of those things with the start of basketball season and college football season leading into it, I think I just flat forget. And then it's like, oh, well, I don't even really know what I want. And, and so it's some hasty scribbles and throw it together. Whereas our way too early rankings, I, I don't mind telling you, we, we start putting those things together about a month before we actually run them, where we start looking at, okay, who can come back, who might not, which teams are, are bringing in recruiting classes that will actually matter. You know, not just, hey, a, a good player or two or this team, you know, they have a highly ranked class. Well, maybe they have a highly ranked class because they've got a bunch of guys from 50 to 100, and that's not actually really going to affect their team this year. And so I, I do that list probably too early and do Christmas list way, way, way too late. He has Kevin Flaherty. Check out his work 24-7 sports, including that way too early top 23. Thanks for the, thanks for the time as always, man. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Hi, right, that's Kevin Flaherty. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com. Depend on it.